Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and beautiful people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your hyperadrenergic host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and hear their story. So today we are speaking with one of those people who cares about a POTS patient. We are speaking with POTS spouse, Jim, who has kindly volunteered to share his story so that the rest of us might benefit. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jill. I'm looking forward to it. Can we start by having you just to kind of give the little introduction to Jim? Uh, how old are you? Where are you? What should we know? Well, I'm 52 years old. I uh, live in upstate New York. We're about an hour and a half south of uh, Syracuse. So people usually know where Syracuse is located. And I live with my potsy wife, Sandy. I'm self-employed. I've been working at home for myself for 25 years. I do uh, heating and air conditioning uh, drafting. I produce like a construction shop drawing. I love the outdoors. I like to hunt and fish and go camping and play a little guitar in my church's praise band. And other than that, it's I lead a pretty boring life. <laughs> do you have kids? Sandy has two children, so I have two stepchildren, and we have a grandbaby now, so we're enjoying him, and he just turned one years old. They're all local, so we get to see them as, as often as we can. One thing we like to do as we're just getting to know somebody is ask, how would your friends or family describe your personality? No, they would describe me as a very outgoing person who's got a good sense of humor. And if we were going to make you brag about yourself, what is something that you're good at that you haven't mentioned yet? I have great patience and I'm a very patient person. Maybe that's why I enjoy hunting so much because I can sit in the woods all day and, and not see anything and then come home and Sandy says, how was it? I said, it was great. What'd you see? I saw a couple squirrels, maybe a couple birds, no deer, no turkeys today, but I still had a great time. So I, I do have, I'm a very patient person. So I guess that would be a strong suit of mine. Very nice. Okay. How long have you been married to Sandy and what do you like about Sandy? Well, we have been married for 20 years. We'll be celebrating our 21st anniversary this year. And my best friend is what is what Sandy is for sure. And that's what I like about it the best. I think every person should marry their best friend for sure. I agree. Did Sandy have pots when you first met her or is that newer? Uh, that is new. Sandy and I met in 1996, I believe it was. Uh, we started dating in 1997. And to be honest, she has never been the most healthy person. <laughs> She's accident prone. Uh, she's had lots of different injuries and some surgeries, but the POTS is just within the past couple of years that that came into our lives. Do you mind giving us a snapshot of what your life and your lifestyle looked like before POTS came along? Like, what were you guys up to in life? We like to go camping and like to go on hikes, did a lot of outdoor activities like that. She would 100% all the time. She was a go, go, go. She never enjoyed sitting around the house. It was on the go with her friends or we would take some trips and just just day, a lot of day trips. Yeah, just just super active. And I always say she had two speeds. It was It was fast and it was stopped. 
Like she would go for six days straight, hard, 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 and then she'd have one day of rest and then she would just start to write up again. So that has changed quite a bit since the POTS diagnosis. Can I ask what it looked like from your perspective when she got POTS? Like what did it look like to you and what did you think was going on? Back in 2008, she was diagnosed with mono. So we had a good month or so of her being really down from the mono. So when POTS kind of appeared in 2020, we just assumed maybe that was a little bit of the Epstein-Barr virus kind of coming back, taking hold. But again, a little bit w worse than when she had the mono. The fatigue was just really, really bad. Bedbound for a long time. And again, I have taken care of her over the 25 years that we've known each other. So I'm, I am I'm as accustomed to it. It wasn't something that was just thrown on to me. So I took care of her. What did you think was going on? Because POTS has such weird symptoms, right? And so I guess, did you think this will pass? Or did you think that, you know, oh, she's exaggerating. It couldn't be that bad. Or I don't know what was going through your mind. Well, not, not her exaggerating because of everything that she's been through. I mean, I, I do know that a lot of POTS patients feel that people look at them and think that it's really not happening to them, but they are, they are experiencing all these things. So no, I never, never thought that was happening with her. And did I know what was going on? No, we went everywhere. We went to different doctors. We went to cardiologists. You know, we'll figure this out because we figured everything else out in the past. So. I was pretty comfortable that we would figure out what it was. And, and eventually the tilt table test was finally ordered. And that finally gave us the diagnosis that, that we knew. At least we knew now what this, what this was and we can move forward from there. Yeah. So how much have you moved forward from there? Like how much improved was Sandy able to get thanks to getting a diagnosis? Has she found stuff that really helps a lot yet or is she still searching? We are in the searching phase still happening right now. It's coming up on two years. Last year at this time, before she went back to work, we were walking and getting some exercise. There was peaks and valleys, and I felt like we were making progress. When she went back to work and having to go to a job, which was an accommodated position for her, she was no longer doing her in the field work. She was in an office, but that took so much out of her that she didn't have anything left to go for those walks that we were taking. I mean, I think last year we might have been in a better situation than we are right now. We've had setbacks. You know, she's had some issues with kidney stones, and that sets things back. COVID came. There's always things. The booster shot she just got sent her in a tailspin for, for, for several weeks. So we're very stagnant, and we're, we're living it right now. We, we are very much living it day to day. I, I know you've been seeing quite a few doctors over the past couple of years. Is there anything about that process that is a surprise to you, or were you already pretty familiar with it? I don't have much faith in the medical field right now. You know, we, we, we really don't. Her doctor's here until she demanded the tilt table test. The cardiologist is like, oh, wow, you, you, you are not making this up. You have POTS, which led us to, uh, to Boston, up to Mass General. We felt there was some progress there made a couple of telehealth appointments. And then it was like, okay, we'll see you in a year. So here we are in a year, like a year, we need to see you every couple of months to work on our progress. No, it was stick with this medicine, keep up with your exercise. And the same thing, drink lots of fluids and, and, and take lots of salt. And you know, we'll be in touch in a year. Made our way to John Hopkins. Same thing. We go in with some high hopes, see a doctor, leave to make an appointment, can't see that same doctor for another year. So we can go see a nurse practitioner of hers a couple of times. And then we kind of lose faith in, in her and some of her responses. She would, you know, Sandy would communicate with her through 
the my chart and the response was like she had never even seen us two times prior you know continue with the the water and the salt we discussed this increase one of the medicines which we already talked discussed with her had other adverse effects once we ramped this medicine up now we're trying another another doctor up in buffalo and so we're we're not giving up hope we know there's doctors out there and just have to find the right combination of things that are going to work for her yeah for her she she struggles with it for sure she she really does yeah and unfortunately your experience i don't think is all that unique it's just so much on the patient and the patient's family to just have to be so proactive and then even still have to figure out so much for themselves and you know i remember that it used to be when i would get in to see a good doctor you know you'd wait months for it and i'd get so geared up i almost felt like i was having my day in court like somebody was going to listen to me and that maybe if I presented my case correctly, they would have a solution and that this would be the breakthrough. And I had my heart broken so many times with that experience. And now I'm thinking, it's making me sad to think about you guys, it sounds like are in the thick of that. Does it feel like that? Oh, 100%. At one point, you know, I used to say we're day to day, we're week to week. But so and then at some times when she's having a bad stretch, it's it's hour to hour. A morning where she wakes up and can feel great changes in the afternoon. But yes, we feel like we're kind of in the thick of it right now. But it's it's like I said, it's been peaks and valleys. It's really kind of leveled off for us at, at this point. Can I ask how your lifestyle is different now? I know you said you used to do a lot of day trips and a lot of camping. And so what is life like now? Life is dictated by how Sandy's feeling, for sure. Again, having the luxury of working at home for myself, if she has a good day during the week and wants to get outside because the sun is shining, we jump in the car, we'll go for a drive, we'll, we'll spend some time outside. My job requires me to produce drawings you know, once a week, and it doesn't matter when I work on those drawings. It could be middle of the night, it could be on the weekend. So that's been great. Uh, which I think is probably not common with the uh, spouses of Potsies. I'm here. And, and actually, there's, there's times that I need to be here. I, I have to be accountable uh, for her. My office is located downstairs below the, the kitchen in the dining room. So I can tell when she's walking around upstairs in the morning, if I'm in the office, if she's having a good day already or a bad day, just by her footsteps, how fast she's moving, how it sounds. And I know. So I'm like, oh boy, and I, I can almost read read into that every time I come upstairs and say, hey, how you doing today? How was, had you sleep? And of course you just can read her face when it's like not a good day. Heart rate's already up, blood pressure's low, just so unpredictable. Yeah, our days are very much dictated to how she's feeling. So that's so wonderful that you've embraced spontaneity though, so that you can still get out and do things when the opportunity arises. So like, what's a, what's something that would be within her ability level for you to get out and enjoy? Can she go out for a walk or? The, the walking, she injured her ankle. So she was in a boot for about two months. So for two months, we haven't done anything. She's out of the boot now and just starting to kind of get back into it but even even the walking she's she does struggle with that she's really into looking for bald eagles believe it or not oh neat we have a river here where we have several nesting pairs of bald eagles and syracuse is another hot spot for bald eagles so we that's what she likes to do oh very cool 
let's talk about your role a little bit. You had mentioned that you're at home and you need to be at home because sometimes she might need something. What kinds of things are you referring to? Sandy's bad days, really bad days. I'm getting all of her food for her. She sometimes feels really bad. Just latest episode after getting the booster shot, spent three days wheeling her around in the transfer chair from the living room to the bathroom to the bedroom because she didn't feel stable walking. So those are the kind of things, uh, getting her food. And then, of course, nagging her if she's drank enough fluid in the day. How much salt did you... And she, she likes to do a lot of her salt first thing in the morning. She likes to drink chicken broth and put salt in there. And then she has salt tablets. So, you know, it's, it's kind of just checking in on her, seeing how she's doing, asking her if she's done all that stuff and what she wants for lunch. And so, yeah, th those are the kind of things that I have to do for her. And I know that she appreciates it enormously because I hear from her sometimes. And every time I hear from her, there's always something about how wonderful you are helping with all of this. Does it take a toll on you? Of course it does. That's the thing. So when she calls me my hero and puts me on a pedestal, that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, you know, I might, I sometimes, you know, the inner voice isn't, isn't, isn't always that, that way. Yes, it, it, it can be very difficult being caregiver. So, so yes, for sure. I mean, I don't think that that sh would be shocking to her for her to hear that because yeah, it, it, it can be, it can be tiring. I look at it as hopefully short term, if it has to be longer term, whatever. We're still, like I said, in the midst of figuring all this out, have hopes that she's going to get to a certain point where she puts those good stretches a little bit longer, longer get a couple of weeks under her belt before she does have a setback or, or who knows, even, even, even longer than that. So yeah, for me, I just kind of think about what will be in six months from now or a year from now. And I'm okay with that, but no, it, it can be, it can certainly be taxing uh, for somebody. There's certain things, uh, oh, grocery shopping. So neither one of us like to go shopping. Sandy probably has gone to the grocery store, maybe, you know, a handful of times in 18 months. And so I have to do that. Not a fan of it, but has to get done. So that's where I'm at. Do you have any coping skills that help you or anything that gives you strength? I drink lots of bourbon. <laughs> I think we just saw it. You make jokes. Is that one of them? <laughs> I love the outdoors. And, and so I do, you know, I get chances to get out and go for um, hunts for myself too. Like I'll take a day and check on her. How you doing? Good. Go, go for it. Go out there and spend the day in the woods. And, and if she's doesn't need me to wheel her around that day on the transfer chair, and, and those days are not all the time, I mean, but that does happen. I get to do that kind of stuff to clear my head. And I think that that's, that's really important to have a little bit of separation every once in a while and get out there and do my thing, go out and chop some wood or, Go for a hike. We have some family property, which is about an hour away from where we live, a little over 100 acres. And that's where we have a little camp set up up there. And we have a little joke between me and my friends. I get to go play man for the day. <laughs> Chop wood. Use my chainsaw. And, and I find that I find that very relaxing. Very nice. That's great. Well, okay. I'll, I'll just tell a little quick story. So when I was kind of in the position that Sandy is in now, and my husband was in the position that you're in now, I always felt so bad needing so much, right? And so I started 
when I would need something, I wouldn't ask. I would start to just like hope that he would figure it out and offer it because I just felt so guilty. Like, oh, I'm asking for something again. And what eventually we figured out was that that was very frustrating for him because he kind of felt like, you know, I'm willing to do things for you, but I want credit for having done them. So please just ask and I will always do it for you. But let's not pretend that I'm not doing so much. And we had been kind of in this place where I just felt so guilty that I couldn't almost not bring myself to ask. But then he would kind of almost want to like force me to ask so he wouldn't do it until I would ask. And like we were like playing these crazy, stupid mental games until thank God he finally just said, no, just ask. Just all I want is credit for doing the things I'm doing. And it was like a lot better after that. But that makes me wonder, are there things that you feel like Sandy sometimes does or sometimes could do that would make your part as caregiver any easier, any more rewarding, any less difficult? And, and I'm kind of asking like a bigger, a bigger question is like, do you have any advice for patients as to anything they can do to make life easier on their caregivers? I like it when Sandy doesn't try to force doing stuff on her own. Yeah, I definitely want her to be the one that calls me and asks me to, you know, come upstairs from the office. I, I need this or I need that. And I know it's hard for her because she wants to try to do certain things. And, it, and, and, and when you can't, it does affect her. So, yeah, we, we're past that phase where she's, so no, she, she needs something. I says, you have to ask me. I mean, I'm willing to do any of that stuff or we'll be home some night and she'll be like, I'm really craving Chinese food. I'm just order it. I'll run it. I'll get it. I, see, I find that stuff like as a caregiver, th th that's easy for me. I mean, I'll, I'll do all that stuff. That's the easy part. You know, I would do anything just to make her a little more comfortable as far as, you know, other advice. I mean, having open lines of conversation for sure with your spouse, you, ha you have to do that. You got to you got to be able to do that. And maybe just figuring out ways to give them a little time for themselves if, if, if that's what you think that they need. And Sandy does that for me. You know, if she thinks I need to get out for the day, she's like, I'm doing pretty good today. You know, Saturday's coming up. You know, why don't you, why don't you go over to the camp or, you know, uh, fish for salmon a couple of months ago with a friend of mine. We went up to the river that the salmon run and she was good. And she's like, go for it. Communication absolutely has to, has to happen. So you're both on the same page, but I want her to tell me what she needs. So now I have a hard question for you. You had mentioned that doing things like running and getting Chinese food or something, that that's the easy stuff. Is there anything that you're able to like categorize as the hard stuff of caregiving? Just uh, watch well, the struggle that she's going through. Uh, it, just seeing how hard it is for her. <laughs> Sorry. Had you ever seen anybody with a chronic illness close to you before or is Sandy the first? Uh, she'd be the first, yes. The emotional toll that it takes on her is hard to watch. That's the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. You feel like that's harder than the emotional toll it takes on you? Yeah, watching her struggle, that's the hardest part for me. Yes, watching mm -hmm. her struggle with this. Yep. And again, being the caregiver, doing, doing the best she can to help her get through it. But it's it's tough. It's, it is tough. Mm -hmm. Victories. What are the things that count as victories in your life right now? The victory would be uh, her having a, a when she gets up and she's feeling really good and 
we get a, a full day of her. Maybe she gets to work a half a day and we get to go out for lunch and we get home about four or five o'clock and she's exhausted, but we, we, we got a full day. And I, I do stress to her. I said, look, look, we had, a, that was a full day. You got up at seven. Now you're on the couch at five. You did it. Those are victories for us. If we can get that kind of, that kind of full day in her, we'll take one of our, you know, our, one of our day trips and we'll go look for bald eagles or we'll go up, take a drive, who knows what, just in the countryside and spend most of the day, go have a nice lunch and make it home and, and, and have a day together. Those are, those are the victories we're having right now. Are you able to keep your sense of humor most of the time? Oh, yes. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I mean, is that a skill that you've always had naturally? Because it occurs to me that that could be actually a fairly valuable skill in the world of caregiving because there's so much just hard stuff to deal with that I almost wonder if like having a sense of humor is like a really, really critical tool for the people who kind of make it through this. I don't know. Are you, are you like extra grateful that you have oh, one? Absolutely. We have a thing. I can read her face sometimes and she has like that. She's like, she'll be frowning. I can just see that she's not feeling good. I'm, and our latest thing is you got to turn that frown around, you know, I, I turn that thing around and let's, you know, let's look look at it differently here. So, yeah, I think me having a sense of humor is, is is beneficial for her. I can I really can get her to laugh when she's not feeling so good with some of the silly silly things that I say. Well, I know just from a few things she said to me that she absolutely adores you, and so I can see how you would have that power over her, and that that's incredibly powerful to be able to pull somebody up out of the muck like that emotionally. I, I heard that you guys are thinking about creating a code word. Oh, yeah. What, what, what's that? The code word uh, that just recently came to be, we uh, were at our grandson's first birthday party. She recognizes when she's running low on her, her spoons, when she's getting kind of low on, on, on energy. And we were at the party. The party was downstairs in the, in the, in the basement. I was across the room talking with somebody else and she texted me and she said, I think it's, it's time. I, I'm, I'm getting ready. I think we got to get going soon. And so I didn't take that as ur urgent yet. So I kind of slow played my way across the room to get to her and she was at empty. You know, I barely got her up the stairs, ready to black out and pass out and didn't want to make a scene. And it's upsetting to her to, to have to leave the party for her grandson early and what's wrong? Well, people that know that she has, they understand that Sandy's hit her limit. She's got to go. But to the point where she almost passes out, I have to get her home, barely get her in the house. And the rest of the day, I'm wooing her around in the, in the transfer chair to, to get her from the, from the living room into the bathroom. So the code word came to be, when I'm getting bad, we've got to come up with a code word that I can just shoot you a text or I can say this word. And not make a scene like time time to get out of this place. So that's what we're we're trying to figure out what word we're going to use for that. I heard that the nomination so far is avocado. Yeah, that's what she said. But I don't know that might that might draw kind of attention if she yells avocado across the room room at me. Well, and especially if she has has to say it many times over, people are going to think she has like a guacamole fetish or something. Avocado, avocado. I was going to say, which we have to do. We got to work on her uh, her diet a little bit. <laughs> She's. Uh, <laughs> not the uh, she's not the best of eaters for sure. She never has been, and she knows that it's it's it is important. 
we've we've tried a couple of different things. Uh, insomnia was one of the symptoms that she had pretty bad. And so we started changing when she ate at night and how much she ate. And that really has, has helped tremendously. Oh, good. Good, good. You know, you were talking about being at parties and I swear, leaving parties, you don't realize how long it takes people to wrap up and leave a party until you are kind of desperate to do it. And I've always, I've, I've thought in case any listeners out there are, are handy or crafty, I think Potsies need a shirt with like an hourglass of sand kind of like in fabric put on there so that when you start all the sand is at the top but it's slowly running down kind of like your blood is pooling so that everybody could see how much is left so that when you say you need to leave a party they really let you leave a party <laughs> otherwise it can take so long to say those goodbyes Art, Art the red sea though <laughs> no, in this particular case she got up and she w made a beeline right for the stairs and say a couple of goodbyes, but it was it was pretty quick. But you're right; it would be nice to uh, to have that visual, like okay, part the Red Sea, let her get through because this this woman's got to get home. So you are gaining lots of points as a pots spouse and caregiver because you said the word spoon. How do you know what the spoons are? Oh, the spoons. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. How I heard of that, she started using that term about her spoons. So that's our that's our go-to now. And that's another, another thing that I do. She, on a good day that she's feeling well, be some advice I would give to other spouses of Potsies. I always, I'm always cautious. I'd say, save your spoons. Let me do that for you. Let me go here. Let me, let me, let me get the stuff off of the lower shelf on the fridge, which that's another thing. I move most of the stuff on the top shelf so she doesn't have to bend down in the fridge. So that's a little tip that I've done. But like if she wants to do a load of laundry because she's feeling good in the morning and, and, and we know that maybe we are going to go somewhere in the afternoon, I'll be on her a little bit. Like save those spoons. We don't you know, save them for later when you really want to use them. I can do these things for you right now. And so that's the communication that we have at the house. She feels great sometimes and just, yeah, she just misses what that feels like. That's so wonderfully empathetic of you, though, to kind of see where she's at, see what the rest of her day is like, and then to kind of know that she should be closely monitoring her spoons. That's beautiful. Are you a naturally empathetic person, or did this make you empathetic? I think I've always been this way. And the patients? Always been patients, or did this make you more patient? No, I think I've always been this way. I mean, yeah, I don't think this is anything new. This is just my, my personality, for sure. So you had a cool little tip there about the refrigerator. Can you say more detail about that and what how that helps? Yeah, so there, oftentimes Sandy doesn't like to be bending down too much for, for Potsies. They, they know that that's not very good for them. So, you know, the fridge, I found that most of the foods that she eats, I've moved everything up to the, to the top shelf so she doesn't have to, to bend down so much. That's so nice. Any other little ideas or tips like that? Just to make sure in case the uh, bedside commode, you know, if she's having a bad day and I don't want her to get up at night and go to the bathroom so she the bedside commode is there so these are just things that we kind of think about making sure that if we are going to go somewhere that the transfer chair makes makes its trip with us in the back of the truck and you know we're going to go to we've made a trip down to an aquarium that's about an hour hour and 20 minutes from the house 
and this might have been before we had our own transfer chair and she had it was having a great day that day we parked the truck made it into the mall where the aquarium was and it got about halfway through and i could just see oh no this isn't gonna go well so again that's one of those situations where now you learn gonna go anywhere there's gonna be a lot of walking even though you feel good now let's prepare and bring the transfer chair and do things like that. And just uh, making sure that there's plenty of Gatorade in the house when I go shopping, uh, making sure that the chicken broth that she likes is, o- is always stocked. And then just, uh, probably I probably nag her a little bit, actually. I, prob- I probably nag her probably more than she probably likes about her, her fluids and her salts on a day. So you had mentioned a couple things that you had learned. Is there anything you know now about living with POTS or about caregiving or any piece of this that you wish you had known sooner? The unpredictability of POTS is, is very frustrating. I mean, once she was diagnosed, we, we did our research. Maybe we had a little higher hopes with the initial diagnosis that it was maybe going to be a little bit of an easier fix and we're finding out that it's not. So maybe that's something that I've I've learned through, through all this. I was always skeptical of the medical field already. So now it's not shocking to not get the kind of care that we kind of think we're going to get at these, these bigger, well-known places. We have a little thing that we like to call the speed round. Can we ask you some questions and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind? Okay, sure. What is your favorite time of the day and why? I love morning. I love daybreak. I like to see the, the sky brighten up and st- the start of the day. And now that we're getting a little warm temperatures, we are uh, hearing the birds singing in the morning. So, yeah. How many doctor's appointments have you gone to with Sandy with for POTS-related things? Probably close to 40, 50. How many other POTS patients or POTS caregivers have you ever met face-to-face? I have met none. What is one word that describes life with a chronic illness? Well, especially POTS, I would say unpredictable. What is some good advice that anyone ever gave you about anything? My parents were very influential in my life and grew up knowing right from wrong and just be yourself. Don't, don't, yeah, don't try to be fake. What is something small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? My coffee. <laughs> That's what my husband would say too. <laughs> I drink coffee all day long and uh, I, yes, I stopped drinking the caffeinated stuff sometime in the afternoon. So now it's now it's just decaf. But I, I love my coffee. Yes, I do. <laughs> Excellent. Who is someone that you admire? I certainly admire Sandy for what she's going through. Of course, my, my parents. What is something that you're proud of? I would say I'm, I'm proud that, that I'm self-employed, that I've been able to maintain and, uh, a lifestyle for, for 25 years. I've always wanted to be self-employed. And I'm, I'm glad I've, uh, I've achieved that goal. Have you ever thought about what your and Sandy's life would look like right now if you were not self-employed? I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like things would be impossible if you weren't at home, yeah? Absolutely. There, there's times that she absolutely 100% needs me to be here. And the way things are, it's, it is a day-to-day, depending on how those footsteps sound upstairs, you know, whether, whether she needs me. 
And, I, and that's something I don't think a lot of people, even in our inner circle, un understand how much she needs help when she's having a bad stretch. Yes. So yes, if I was working out of the house, I don't know how that would that would go. I probably I would be missing an awful lot of work. So you mentioned that not very many people know. Is it something that you wish more people knew? Like, is it hard to be going through this? I mean, I, I feel like POTS is such an unusual disorder, you know, kind of like not being able to handle gravity and having it be so different from moment to moment. I think it makes it really hard for other people to understand what it is. Does that make it hard for you that probably not that many other people get what you're dealing with? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Because our very tight inner circle of our family understand. But even if you're not living with POTS or living with a POTSy, I don't think you actually really truly understand what, what's happening. You can tell our family members and, and friends, you know, this, these are some of the things that happen. And then they show empathy and say that that's too bad. And then they go off and go live their life, but then we're stuck here living our, our life. And I think that would probably be with everybody that's a caregiver for not just POTS patients, but other, other people with um, chronic illness. Yeah, you, I do wish people could see that a little bit better, a little bit more clear. Another thing that just kind of popped into my mind is, uh, you know, we often hear, or at least Sandy does, or, and I do, might go to church on a Sunday and Sandy makes it to church and, you know, we're very involved. We we help out in uh, the, the sound room and stuff like that. And people come up and goes, oh, Sandy looks really good today. <laughs> that really bothers us because, yeah, the POTS patient might might look okay, although I can read how she looks. And actually, there's days where now I'm like, she's not, she's having a terrible day, but yeah, okay, thanks. She, she does look okay. We don't really, we don't really like that, that phrase very, very much that she, oh, oh, but she looks good. That's, that doesn't go over well with us. Yeah. You know, I think there's a good chance that thanks to you being willing to talk about this today, and you're very eloquent about this. So, so thank you for talking about this. And I suspect that a lot of patients are having some of their loved ones get their introduction to POTS by listening to you. Can I ask, what do you wish that more people understood about POTS? I know I keep going back to the same phrase, but POTS is, at least for us, unpredictable. And, and it's in a day-to-day -day kind of syndrome that she's, that she's dealing with. Uh, yes, we have hopes that it's going to get better, but just the unpredictability of knowing what a day is, is going to bring for her. Knowing that we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, thinking that we've had our salt, we've had our, we've had our fluids, and then felt like you had good diet, and then waking up the next day and still don't have you're not good that day like why we're we're, we're in we're in that <laughs> i guess i would just like to let people know that yeah that that's that's what we're dealing with and i'm sure a lot of other people are dealing with that too right and i think i think one thing that you're getting at that people don't understand is sometimes it's just how hard you can work to just barely get by and one of the most painful things is when other people imply that you could do more or should do more and they just have no idea how much you're already doing and how hard you're working
I would also give advice to the the spouse of the potsy is is just to keep that what you just said keep that in mind that you know your 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 potsy spouse they are they are doing the best that they can because that that can creep in I think to your mind a little bit is you're not hungry but you have to eat how can you, you why didn't you eat today you didn't have enough you didn't have enough to eat you're supposed to be eating so I have guard myself against that too. Sometimes it's kind of that, that creeping in. Is she did she not do enough for herself today to try to help her? And yeah, those those thoughts do come in. I have to be honest; they're they're far and few in between. But it is reality that that you do think that from time to time. And I would say try to guard yourself against that because they are trying their hardest. Absolutely, they're doing everything that they can because they they don't want to live like that. Absolutely, they they certainly don't. Well, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. And like I said, Sandy always mentions how how much she appreciates you. And I can see why. I'm so just grateful for your strength and your empathy and your kindness and your sense of humor. And yeah, being self-employed, boy, you know, you couldn't have known, right, 25 years ago or however long ago when you started your career that that would be so important. But I wonder if caregivers know just how much important stuff they do, you know, sometimes just by smiling while they do something or just by making a joke at the right time or just by being there so much. And my suspicion is that the average person doing nice things for a POTS patient doesn't even realize how much their kindness and their support matters in ways that they don't fathom. Sure. So thank you. Do you have anything that you'd want to say to listeners who either have POTS or who are caring for people with POTS? I mean, final words, I would just say, do do your best and then read the situation, read read your spouse and and make suggestions. And yeah, just remember that you're you're both living, living it at the same time. And the only thing that is different is I don't have symptoms of POTS. So maybe maybe in, embrace it a little bit and yeah, do, do your best and, and, and educate yourself. Learn as much as you can ab- about it. We've really enjoyed listening to to the podcast that, you know, we, we often do that on our drives. She'll, she'll say, we get, Jill's got another podcast up and I say, it's great. The radio isn't on in the truck any, anymore. It's, it's the podcast that are being played. So <laughs> I guess that would be also something is go back and listen to a lot of different podcasts because that, that has helped both of us to hear other people's stories. And, and if I can, in any small way from, what I ramble through today is to to help somebody be a better caregiver or help a, a, a Potsy understand their caregivers a little bit better. I'm, I'm glad I could do that. We are so grateful. And I get why Sandy's always saying nice things about you, Jim. Thank you for sharing your story and your insights with us. And we appreciate it. And we hope that things only get better. All right, Jill. Thank you so much. And hey, listeners, remember, this is not medical, dental, spiritual, relationship, fashion, menu, or any kind of advice. Consult your medical team about what's right for your POTS. Please consider subscribing because it helps us get found by more people like you. But thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, www.standinguptopots.org slash podcast. And I would add, 
If you have any ideas or topics you'd like to suggest, send them in. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots.